Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's probably gonna break up with you. He's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used tick pick. Wait, what'd you say? Tick pick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said What's up, everybody? Today is, I guess this will be recorded Wednesday, Wednesday, December 11th, 2019, day two of the MLB Winter Meetings, wrapped up in San Diego, California. Not as uh, big news today. What would you say is the biggest news, Cade? Didi's deal? Didi Gregorius to the Phillies, one year, $14 million? Yeah, probably Didi's deal. Uh, Maybe some other news may indicate that there is other moves coming, such as Zachary Cozart and uh, Will Wilson moving to um, the Giants just to shed cap space. Maybe that um, indicates that the Angels are confident that they'll they'll be in on uh, either Anthony Rendon or Garrett Cole. I feel like this is going to be the ongoing thing for the next three nights. They're not in on him. They're in on him. They're not in on him. They're in on him. I'm just checking John Heyman's tweets left and right in this building, in the Hyatt Hotel. It feels like the Angels have been in and out on Garrett Cole for like the past three hours. Yeah, I mean, the general consensus that we've uncovered all week is that it's between either the Yankees or the Angels. I mean, it's it's between those two teams. I, I mean, the, there was some reports today that, um, you know, Scott Boris said that there was a couple of mystery teams that were in the mix, and one of them might have been the Houston Astros, so I, I don't know. So two mystery teams in the mix. It's Yankees, Angels, Dodgers are lurking, Astros are a mystery team, then there's a fifth team, and then, or do you yeah, think the Dodgers are the other mystery team? No, Scott Boris said that there was two mystery teams, and I mean, uh, I feel like the Dodgers didn't qualify as a mystery team at that point, so it, one of them was the Astros, and I'm not sure about the other one. Well, Garrett, well obviously, Steven Strasburg signs yesterday. Garrett Cole uh, expected to sign by the end of Thursday. I think that's the big deal. Scott Boris said to the press today over 150 different uh, media personnel reporters surrounding Scott Boris right outside the, the media box, the press room, that he expects a deal to be done by the time they leave San Diego. Apparently, that's the expectation. Yeah, a deal is definitely going to be done sooner than later. Um, I'm glad I was right about that. I, I definitely yeah. talked about this that could like, Again, like yesterday alone made this a way better winter meetings than last year's winter meetings where nothing went down. Like They brought out everybody for that winter meeting. Yeah, Bryce Harper, you got Manny Machado, Corbin, uh, who else? Help me out here. Blanket. Uh, I mean, Dallas Keuchel and, and Craig Kimber were the two notable names yeah, that didn't yeah, even yeah. get signed all offseason. He was probably, what, Dallas Keuchel considered the ace last year of the free agent market, if not Patrick Corbin? Yeah, I think it was Patrick Corbin number one, and then probably, uh, and probably Keuchel, Keuchel after that. until the summer. Kimbrell signs the three-year deal, which was surprising. You take Keuchel, risky deal there, just one year, $14 million with the Braves. But Kimbrell, three-year deal with $30 million to be the Cubs' closer after not pitching in the first three months of the season. Very risky. Turned out to be okay. Kimbrell being Craig Kimbrell, dominant and shaky all at the same time. 
time. Today, uh, the biggest news, obviously, Strasburg, $245 million yesterday. Uh, Didi Gregorius leaving the Yankees officially today, signs a one-year deal with Joe Girardi's Philadelphia Phillies, reunites with Joe. It's Didi and Joe again, just like it was in 2017. This time with the Phillies, we may as well call them the Philadelphia Yankees at this point. Yank Joe Girardi bringing all of his cronies back. Wouldn't be shocked if they went after Gardner. Although I feel like the Yankees are going to be in on Brett Gardner moving forward. I know their main focus right now is Garrett Cole, but they're definitely going to be in on Brett Gardner. He's trying to seek a multi-year deal. He's that one guy that was a part of that 2009 World Championship team. The Yankees definitely would want to bring him back, especially considering Aaron Hicks just had Tommy John surgery, and he's probably going to be out for at least the first two or three months. And then the other guy, Austin Rowe, mind I, I said it before I'll say it again best backup catcher in the game of baseball probably leaving the Yankees that's what Jack Curry of Yes Network told us we'll get to that interview shortly it appears as if your Rockies Cade are in on Austin Romine and I personally think his numbers they might not spike he's a backup catcher he, he's never really hit for average or for power or like he drives and runs when you need him to drive and runs he's a great backup catcher great offensive and defensive catcher but I feel like his numbers are definitely going to increase playing at Coors Field, especially if he's a starting catcher. Well, I think uh, that's a misconception when it comes to talking about Rockies players. I don't think their numbers jump. You look at uh, DJ LeMahieu. He played with the Rockies for a while, and his numbers didn't jump until he left Coors Field. Uh, yeah, but you got to look at the numbers on the road, like Nolan Arenado's numbers on the road, not even close to what they are at Coors Field. Well, actually, and I mean, that's the uh, biggest thing that people talk about. Yeah, so so that's um, that's the discrepancy that I definitely like to touch on. Well, first of all. Nolan Arenado is one of the best players in uh, in the history of, of Coors Field. Yeah, you no, said no, baseball. no, 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 of Coors Field. Yeah. That um, he's one of the best players in the history of Coors Field that is able to adjust to hitting on the road. So he still has a, a significantly above average um, uh, OPS on the road. I, I like using OPS in this um, in this comparison. He actually has a higher road OPS than uh, JD Martinez. JD Martinez doesn't play um, at Coors Field all the time, right? So or so. Um, he doesn't have that same excuse, but um, regardless, so DJ LeMahieu in his career as a Rocky, his road OPS was 680 approximately, and he goes and plays with New York, and his road OPS jumps to 900. So the, the reason for this is that a lot of uh, people have done research into this, is that the, the Coors Field hangover effect is definitely real, is that you play at Coors Field, the ball moves differently at Coors Field than it does anywhere else, and when you play half of your games at Coors Field, and you have to constantly make in-season adjustments, um, the ball moves differently, and, and your road numbers suffer for it. Um, we, we saw it with Larry Walker. Uh, he was fine on the road uh, everywhere else in Montreal and St. Louis, and, he, and they were they dipped definitely when he played at Coors Field. Matt Holliday, same thing. Uh, DJ LeMahieu was uh, probably the most recent example of it. So the hangover effect is real, and uh, I don't think Coors truly inflates numbers as much as uh, it's made out to be. I definitely feel like it's definitely a thing, though. I mean, it's obviously a thing. Everybody talks. Well, the home numbers are definitely like, inflated. Do you feel like the weather, like obviously the months April, May, and then uh, September, October, when it's a bit cooler, do you think that affects her? Or is it just the climate overall that's really pushing those balls out of the ballpark? I feel like everything that's in the air is going out of the stadium. So, some home runs that Trevor Story hit this year, I mean, he hit that one on one knee, and it almost left the entire stadium. Oh, Trevor, Story, uh, Trevor Story has some, some significant power, and, and he's he's put some balls uh, pretty far uh, you know, outside of Coors Field as well. Um, I mean, Ian Desmond did the same thing. He had almost a 500-foot home run. I think it was the, the farthest home run in StatCat history up till Noah Marmazara broke it this year, but he hit a 505-foot shot last year. So, yeah, it, it probably...
probably adds a couple feet onto the ball, but um, Coors Field is still the largest ballpark in um, Major League Baseball. They, they adjusted for that. They also raised the fences a little bit, so, um, so I think the home run numbers in that sense are mitigated. They also installed a humidor um, to try and mitigate the effects of altitude and thin air on the ball, uh, and I think that has lowered the home run numbers, but the corresponding effect there is that Coors Field is massive, and that means more ground for fielders to cover. So that means more base hits fall, and that leads to better numbers, and that's what you see from DJ LeMay here. When, when he was here, he put up great numbers at home uh, because he, he just put balls in gaps all the time. Arenado did the same thing, so uh, I think that's the, the corresponding effect that you see there. Um, it's not necessarily the home run numbers, but just everywhere else. You're seeing balls put in gaps um, that might normally be caught at other ballparks, but they're not at Coors Field because the park is so huge mentioned them obviously expanding the, fen the fences. You could see it in right field with the giant like green cage that they put out there. Why, why would they do that if the ball is flying out of the park? Why would the Rockies do that? Were they asked to do that by MLB? Oh, well, I think... No, I don't think MLB, I don't think that was necessarily the issue. I think it might have been just to... Maybe for not necessarily publicity, but maybe for um, public uh, interpretation of how home run numbers are at Coors Field. I, because if you, you know, if you have the farthest fences in baseball and, and raise them higher than, you know, normally, then the public perception says, you know, maybe they're, they're trying to mitigate the home run numbers. And I, I think they have, uh, they have done that. And I think at least Rockies fans understand that. Um, but, but then the corresponding effect of that, again, is a lot more extra base hits fall in the gaps talk about the hangover effect. I feel like DJ LeMahieu's the only standout I feel like that left Colorado and was a stud elsewhere. No, oh, Matt Holiday had some great seasons when okay, he left well, I uh, think Colorado. Matt went was a to for sure all-star. Sure. Like, DJ yeah. LeMahieu was well under the radar for most of his career. Yeah, really he did make an all-star team with, with, uh, right, with the Rockies, which was cool. And all that, but still, he, he was kind of under the radar. Like When the Yankees signed him, it was kind of like DJ LeMahieu, really? Yeah, there was a lot guy? of criticism yeah. saying, oh, wow, it's DJ LeMahieu. He's only a Coors Field product, but he proved that wrong um, because I mean he's he's still at least in the prime of his career so he there's actually a very limited sample of players who spent their prime both in Colorado and outside of Colorado um, Matt Holiday didn't even spend he spent his entire prime in Colorado and then he spent his age like 32 33 34 seasons in St. Louis and still had great years out there um, Larry Walker did the same thing when he left Colorado he was like 37 but he still put up good numbers on the road um, his road numbers went up so did Matt Holiday holidays, and so did DJ LeMahieu. So th the hangover effect in the samples that we see from the players that have spent some of their prime in Coors Field and also a, a, a chunk of their productive time in Major League Baseball um, uh, with other teams, uh, we've definitely seen uh, that their road numbers go up when they leave Coors Field. And this has hurt uh, Larry Walker, of course. It's said to hurt Todd Helton. We'll see. It definitely has hurt both of them, yeah. uh, because I think if Todd Helton played for uh, probably any other team, he would be more recognized for his numbers. I mean, he was fifth in the MVP voting in 2000 and had, uh, in my opinion, the best offensive numbers of anybody that season by a pretty significant amount. And, uh, of course, Larry Walker is on his 10th ballot, 10th uh, and final ballot for Hall of Fame voting this year, and uh, it's still up in the air whether uh, he gets in or not. He only got uh, around 58% last year, and he needs a pretty significant boost this year, and I'm not sure if he's going to get that. I hope so. I feel like Jeter's not going to go in alone this year. I feel like 
it's I mean Larry Walker definitely like he he has what twenty percent. He's in the fifty-five percentile right now in terms of the ballot, the voting. Like he needs oh, over yes. seventy-five. Yeah, right? he's um. So yeah, right. Yeah, like last year he was about fifty-eight percent, and he's he's gained a few votes uh, already in like the eighteen or so ballots that we've seen come out. He's gained, I think, two. Um, actually, no, he's gained three. He's lost two, so he has a net gain of one. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out for the rest of the ballots. So regardless, Austin Romine, a great fit if the Rockies want to go stab him again. One of the most underrated back. Up catchers in baseball, one of the most underrated catchers in baseball, period, both defensively and offensively. Yeah, great veteran presence, has a great repertoire with pitchers. Uh, his pitchers love him, so that's that's one of the biggest parts of being a He's catcher. A tough guy. Remember, remember him throwing haymakers with Miguel Cabrera two years ago? Yeah, absolutely. Who doesn't want that on their team? Yeah. So that's that's the biggest news coming out of today is Didi Gregorius' one-year deal with the Philadelphia Phillies, rejoining Joe Girardi. But, of course, a lot of blockbuster trades that may or may not go down. We, we've heard Washington Nationals linked to Chris Bryant, as well as re-signing Anthony Rendon. So that should be interesting. The I Nationals think the Braves well. were also linked to Chris Bryant, potentially trading um, for him as well, which uh, makes sense in, in some capacity for them. Um, the other one that just came out a little bit ago was linking David Price to the Angels. If they don't get Garrett Cole, they might want to reunite you know, Joe Madden and David Price, uh, former Rays um, over in uh, Anaheim, so th- that might work out. Well, that was the big thing. So David Price obviously becoming available by the Red Sox, and the Angels, of course, automatically say they're pursuing David Price, which raised a lot of eyebrows. I was walking around downstairs in the press area. They, they all media bum rushed into the media room about an hour ago. I'm like, oh, that that's probably something big. And if the Angels are indeed going after Price, maybe they were told that they're not going to get Garrett Cole, which would leave the New York Yankees and said mystery teams, correct? But apparently the Angels are still very much in on Garrett Cole. See, it changes. It flip-flops. John Heyman flip-flops like every two minutes. Oh, I feel like John Heyman is almost a mouthpiece for Scott Boris, and, and Scott Boris really knows how to manipulate these uh, these front offices better than anyone else, obviously. So Heyman tweets out uh, you know, the information that, that he receives, and oftentimes it's from Scott Boris and um, other sources. So um, so, so I mean, we're left confused. We're we're not exactly sure whether the Absolutely Angels are confused. in or not. We're yeah. here. We're here right now, and we probably have the same information as your people sitting back in Denver. Uh, Actually, I mean, I, we have heard a couple things, like uh, the guy oh, yeah. down the road, like she said, uh, Corey Seager might have been uh, yeah. tangled yeah, in, in some San, trade we, situations we from Los Angeles. San Diego right behind us total earful behind us. We got the Yes Network in front of us, again, John Boy sitting to our left, uh, SNY behind us, MLB Network right now behind us, MLB Now with Brian Kenny and Ron Darling right now. Uh, again, a, bit, a very busy Hyatt in San Diego. Manchester Grand I got Hyatt. that right. Yes, We're heading over to Driveline Baseball tonight for their fair in uh, Little Italy in San Diego. Uh, hopefully grab some interviews there with some... Yeah, Kyle Bodie is... Uh, I think he works with the Reds organization now because Trevor Bauer um, went over there. So, I mean, he's been really critical in developing a lot of players, uh, most notably Trevor Bauer, but also he reinvented the career of Adam Ottavino. He, he had some struggles and some injury issues, uh, but with his rehab, he developed that 
classic, beautiful, devastating slider that Adam Montavino has, and that was developed and created in the driveline labs in, uh, in Washington. Filthy, disgusting slider. It was filthy and disgusting in an entirely different platform in October. He was just a mental midget in October, he, I feel like. He does that all the time. Um, he, he, had that know, yeah. Yeah, he had those struggles with Colorado, too. I, I think you know, pitching in the postseason, it's not even necessarily a physical thing because we know he has the tools. His two-seam seems unhittable. Uh, you know, you have that combination of his two-seam that moves six inches in on a guy's hands um, and that slider that breaks out um, in terms of movement. He has the, the best slider in the major leagues next to Chaz Rowe. So in terms of movement, he's he has the stuff, but in the postseason, it's it's a mental game. And Ottavino has, doesn't necessarily have that mental game uh, quite right now. Did he have a, an appearance in that 2017 wildcard game against the D-backs? Or was this his first postseason appearance? Um, no, he pitched He pitched in the series uh, with the Brewers uh, when... Oh, when that's right. Yeah, they, they made the, I forgot they made the playoffs. Yeah, that was... Um, that did not go well. Yeah, he, he struggled heavily in the playoffs, and, and I I, th- I didn't think he was going to struggle again this year with the Yankees, but he, he had some issues, so... Some issues. He stunk against the Houston Astros. Houston Great Astros, another, another big uh, story coming out of today. They might deal Carlos Correa. I mean, they were putting his name out there. Right. Chances of him going are slim to none, I feel like. Well, the, the report was weird. So um, Ken Rosenthal said that they would that they might deal Carlos Correa in an attempt to free up some salary, but he doesn't make very much money. He makes yeah, only about seven, seven million. Yeah, so, seven million. I mean, I don't know what they deal for him and get back unless they're trying to just, you know, just I mean, get prospects. they're going to have to get a whole of prospects back, yeah. think, I mean, Carlos I feel like Correa. if they want to dump salary, you trade someone like Josh Reddick. Who wants Josh Reddick, though? That's like the Yankees trying to get rid of Jay Happ. Nobody yeah. wants Okay, well, I think his contract. Okay, well, Reddick's contract isn't as bad as Jay Happ's because at least Reddick still has at least some production. Plus, he's a good veteran to have. He's been on a championship-winning team. So he has some value. He has more value than, than Happ does, in my opinion. Um, and I think... I, I guess, yeah, if, if um, the Astros do try and trade away Reddick, then they'd probably eat some salary. It'll be interesting to see uh, Carlos Correa just got married. They're coming off their second World Series tie- or second World Series appearance in the last three years. That would be the shocker of the winter meetings. I feel like every I, – I think I went into this winter meeting saying that there was going to be that blockbuster deal that nobody thought of. Could it be Carlos Correa? I guess we're going to have to find out in the next few days. Carlos Correa, Chris it was Bryant. Be, uh, Francisco Lindor, Chris Bryant linked to the Washington Nationals. Speaking of third baseman, let's talk about Anthony Rendon because he's, he was linked to the Rangers and the Dodgers specifically over the past – few days today the angels making it clear that they may go after rendon as well as the nationals trying to bring him back strasburg's trying to get rizzo to bring anthony rendon back yeah strasburg talked to both uh both i mean scott boris because they have the same agent so he talked to him and they talked he talked to uh national um current office and ownership to try and bring him back um there's also a report that the braves checked in on rendon but the price tag was a little bit too steep for them so uh, they, they tried to add a third baseman somewhere else, whether they re-sign Donaldson or, or go pursue Chris Bryant. But, yeah, I guess the, those teams that you mentioned, um, you know, the reports came out that the Angels, uh, Billy Epler, said that he has a lot of cap room uh, that he can spend on multiple players north of $20 million. And Anthony Rendon might be in that conversation. Um, if they don't get Garrett Cole, they might get Rendon. Yeah, so we'll see. Well, we'll see who gets Garrett Cole. You know who we talked to today? 
Who? Yes Network analyst Jack Curry. Talked to him a little bit about Gary That's right. Cole. We talked a little bit about Brett Gardner, a lot of Yankee news. We talked about his uh, new book with David Cohn, Full Count, and uh, talked to him a little bit about Derek Jeter potentially being the second unanimous Hall of Famer in Major League Baseball, though why he may think that he might not sign. So let's talk to Jack Curry from the Yes Network, but first a quick word from TickPick.com. I am so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's probably going to break up with you. He's definitely going to break up with me. Should have used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said... TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. Are you a real Zach before we go? Okay, out here with Yes Network analyst and co-author of Full Count with David Cohn, uh, Jack Curry. Thanks for taking the time to sit down with me. First question I wanted to ask you, of course, because you guys are, again, about to go on the Yankees hot stove. Obviously, the Garrett Cole news. Steven Strasburg just signs that record-breaking deal. $245 million, 100% ups the ante for Garrett Cole. What do you think the mindset right now is for Brian Cashman from your perspective going into this? Obviously, the $300 million mark has been thrown around. But do you think he's going to try and stay under that, maybe like 275 280 what, What's exactly your perspective going into this? It's a great question, Jack, and we're, we're all following this, and we, yeah. we all throw numbers out, and we want to try and figure out through the tea leaves what is going to happen. First and foremost, I was surprised that Strasburg got $245 million. I did not think he was going to get that rich a contract. And you said it well. Now that Strasburg got that, Cole is better. He's yeah. two years younger, and the same man is representing him as Scott Boris, and he is absolutely going to shoot for a higher number, and he'll get it. Do we know what that's going to be? Is it is it 8 for 280? Is it 8 for 300? Is, is it 9? Does he say because Cole is two years younger, he should get a nine-year deal because then he'll be pitching at the same 38 that Strasburg will be when his contract ends. I think from a Yankee perspective, they always have a number in mind. I don't know exactly what that number is, but what I have been told is their plan, and they've already done this, was to make a very, very competitive offer. And do you feel like the Angels, yes, the Angels and the Dodgers were also in on him? Obviously, the Angels are one of the more serious contenders. The Dodgers have kind of said to be lurkers, like in the shadows. Do you feel like that offer is coming soon? Because Scott Boris even said to the media earlier, he plans on walking out of San Diego this week with a contract. In hand. I think it has to be because those were the parameters that Boris said. He wanted to get those offers this week. There was an interesting scene in the lobby about an hour ago where Boris spoke to the media, and I was part of the throng that was around him, probably about a hundred reporters oh around God. him, and <laughs> the only team he really mentioned was the Yankees. He said the Yankees and other teams have made very thorough presentations to call. I agree with you. I think it's right now Yankees versus Angels. I think the Dodgers are on the periphery. That could change. The Dodgers could swoop in and, and make an, an offer of X, and, and that could end up being something that Cole decides to take. But I, I think the Yankees are very big players in this. They've targeted him as their number one offseason priority, and I think that they're going to try and figure out.
figure out a way to make that happen. And obviously he's the big fish that they're going after right now, but are they keeping close tabs on guys like Brett Gardner, who's seeking a multi-year deal? And, of course, Austin Romine, who I would consider is one of the best backup catchers in baseball right now. Well, the two players you just mentioned, I've spoken to both of their agents here, and as far as Gardner goes, I would be very surprised if there's not a reunion between the Yankees and Gardner. It's the only team he's ever played for. He has value because he is an elite defender in left field and center field. He had a career-high 28 home runs last season. He's changed his swing to elevate the ball more, and he's a leader in that clubhouse. So I absolutely think the Yankees are keeping tabs on him. There have been conversations. They just haven't come to a deal yet. As far as Romine goes, I agree with you. I think the Yankees should value Romine, and I think having a backup catcher who can fill in for Sanchez is of vital importance. But I think the Yankees really like Higashioka, and the, the vibe that I'm getting is that Romine will not be returning to the Yankees. That's disappointing for me. The Yankee fan love Austin Romine. I, like, he's one of the few backup catchers in baseball, I feel like. When you plug him into the lineup, it's you have a positive mindset going into it. Yeah, and I talked to Romine at the end of last season about his future, and he, he absolutely said that New York is a place he would like to stay, but... Again, you get into the offseason, and Higashioka is a guy who's out of options, so perhaps the Yankees see him as that that backup catcher who can slide in. And there are, there's a lot to like about Higashioka, but I think Romine's someone who's done it and has done it well for the last two years. I mean, you look at his numbers for the last two years, played about 150 games, an OPS of around 730. That's pretty good for a backup catcher. And last question before I let you go. I know you got to go on the air pretty soon here. Derek Jeter, obviously, first year on the ballot this year. No question, first ballot Hall of Famer. In your estimation, Mariano Rivera, first unanimous Hall of Famer. Is Derek Jeter a unanimous Hall of Famer? And if not, what's, what's going to be the argument made against him for some of the writers? Yeah, the thing is, I have a Hall of Fame vote, and he will absolutely get my vote. To try and dig inside the mind of someone who wouldn't vote for Derek Jeter, it's kind of laughable to yeah. me if someone found a flaw or decided there was some reason that they weren't going to vote for Jeter. For some reason, I don't think Jeter is going to be unanimous. I think that there will be a voter or more than one voter who maybe talks about his defense uh, and finds a way to take a shot at a career that is absolutely a first ballot Hall of Fame career. Almost 3,500 hits, the postseason records, all, all that he was able to do. So I, I love that Mariano finally broke through that and got unanimous selection because I don't think it should have ever taken this long. I just have a suspicion that there, there will be at least one voter who, who doesn't vote for Jeter and, and, and shame on that voter if it happens. And do you think playing in New York, obviously, under the bright lights, nobody handled New York better than Derek Jeter. Like, if he were to play for the Padres or the Twins, like, he, I don't think, obviously, wouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer, wouldn't have gotten the same recognition that he did in New York. I think Jeter would have been a Hall of Famer wherever he played. Right. He might not have gotten the same hype and the same recognition yeah. because New York brings that, but I think Derek Jeter, wherever he played, would have had the same type of career. He had a lot of complimentary pieces around him, some great players in that lineup, and that obviously is always going to help a player, but I, I would never say that just because he landed in New York that that made him a Hall of Famer. I think that contributed to who he he became as a player, but I think he would have been a Hall of Famer in any city. And one last question I just thought of right now. Just bought the book, Full Count, with David Cohn and yourself. Is it more of, uh, obviously, the from life beginning to 
childhood to end of his career, David Cohn, but is also more of like the analytic side when it comes to pitching compared to yesterday's game and or compared from yesterday's game to today's game. When we started working on this book, David and I, it was going to be a, a pitching journey and a lot of pitching stories and a lot of pitching theories in there. You start doing the interviews, and I think we sat down 42 times. I think we had 42 or 43 interviews. It became a pitching journey and a personal journey. So there are a lot of stories about his childhood and his father being his best pitching coach. And there's yeah. stories about his teammates, some that we just mentioned. Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, Dwight Good, and Daryl Strawberry. There, there are tales about all of those guys in there. As far as analytics, and that's obviously a hot topic, and David loves talking analytics, we touch upon it in the book, but I'm not going to lie to you, it's it's not an analytically driven book. Oh, yeah. There's not 50 pages on analytics. We, we talk about his career, and I, I think anybody who loves pitching and just loves a great baseball story will be very interested in, in reading what David had to say. I, I have never met a pitcher who spoke more eloquently and yeah. smartly about the craft than David Cohn. I think he's definitely one of the more equipped player-formed analysts yeah. out there. I agree with Not you, Not that man. they're all great. I'm, I'm biased. He's my teammate, but <laughs> I, I love listening to Coney during a game. And what he does during a game, too, is he... He doesn't just talk about what happened. He, he talks about what might happen before it happens as a pitcher, and I, I think that's very impressive to be able to do that. I just got my copy last week. Can't wait to read it. Jack Curry, thanks so much for your time. I am so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's probably going to break up with you. He's definitely going to break up with me. Should have used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, tick pick. I thought you said tick pick. No hidden fees. Download today. And that was Yes Network analyst Jack Curry. I've been watching Jack since what? I said I was nine years old. So that's a pretty cool interview for me. Jack Curry from the Yes Network. Go uh, read Full Count by him and David Cohn. Uh, that interview happened before something big happened, though, Cade. You know what happened? I think someone signed somewhere. Someone named, I think his name was Garrett Cole, signed a record-breaking contract. Never heard of him. Record-breaking contract. So Steven Strasburg signed a $245 million deal. Guess how much this guy signed for? 324? $324 million. Garrett Cole to the New York Yankees. Cashman got his white whale, so to speak. That's what he's been calling him all week long here in San Diego at the Hyatt Hotel. Cashman gets his white whale. Garrett Cole to the Yankees. Nine years, $324 million. We've spoken about it over the past few hours or so since this news broke. Uh, they went into a frenzy downstairs in the lobby. John Heyman's probably had that saved in his draft on Twitter for almost three days, waiting to tweet that one out, trying to be the first one to tweet it out. Uh, we've said that he's been the mouthpiece for Scott Boris, basically, this entire week. Fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime something happens, like the, the mystery teams, you know, John Heyman's always the first one. I do. Uh, I mean, you're signing the best pitcher in baseball for nine years. I mean, he's, he's going to be happy with, you know, getting paid that much. And he, he's the best pitcher in baseball. All the numbers show that he, I mean, I think he should have won Cy Young this last year. And, you know, he's not even 30 yet. So he's, he has plenty of years left. And if he's going to give you Cy Young, uh, Cy Young years in and out over the next few years, which I think he absolutely will, let's say he's a, a Cy Young candidate, top three pitcher in the American League for the next six years, five or six years, something like that. That absolutely alone makes it worth it because even if he drops off the last couple years of his contract, 
it, you know, it, it kind of compensates, I think. But, you know, he's, he's a great pitcher. And I think um, my mentality is that pitching wins championships. We saw that um, the last couple years between the, the, the staffs built by the, the Dodgers, the Nationals, and the Astros, you know, uh, centerpiece for the rotation that the Yankees are building. Garrett Cole. To me, again, Garrett Cole had two great years with the Astros and a few good years in Pittsburgh. He could easily fall off the wagon, especially in the Bronx. You, you never really know who's going to pitch well in the Bronx until you get there. Sonny Gray, all-star in Oakland. Oh, well, one difference here is that um, the Yankees do not have Larry Rothschild anymore. So Golf I, clap, celebratory golf clap. I don't know if they could hear it in the microphone. Well, I think that might have been one draw for Garrett Cole because Sonny Gray was notably not happy with uh, Larry Rothschild and how they handled their pitchers in New York. So I think, you know, Garrett, Cole's, Garrett Cole knows what he's good at. And, you know, rumors are saying that if the Yankees sign Martin Maldonado, that, that'll definitely benefit Cole as well. As, as a backup catcher to Gary Sanchez, he could be his personal catcher. You could probably get Maldonado on a one-year deal. It's great news for the Yankees. Yeah. It really I mean, is. Still the, don't love the deal. Again, the numbers are that, you know, Garrett Cole pitched to Maldonado 10 times last year. He posted a, a one, uh, 147 ERA with him and an opponent OPS of, of a 471, which is some really funny numbers, but... Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he was great with Maldonado. Uh, I think he'll be great in New York because I, I think the difference here when, when you're looking at Garrett Cole um, between his Astor years and the Pittsburgh years is that he definitely made some strides near the end of his years in Pittsburgh. He gained a lot of velocity. He, uh, I think he, I don't know, he, he did some things with his pitches. He, um, he optimized the revolutions a little bit more, so his pitches broke a lot more, and we saw that. Um, with the Astros and the the strategy that he that he used when he was with the Astros, um, you know he, he has a super high um, high velocity fastball. Um, have that with his pitches that move really rapidly in either direction. He tunnels better than probably anyone in baseball, and I think that was a development that we have seen since the end of his years in Pittsburgh. So it's not something that's just going to go away. His strategies and his his mentality as a pitcher aren't going to to just go away. It's not something. It's not uh, something that's that's going to go away. It's something that's going to continue with Garrett Cole, and that's who he is as a pitcher. Analytics brought to you by Cade Walker. So, no, the big thing here for me, above anything else, yes, he has evolved as a pitcher. He's learned from a few of his mistakes early on in Pittsburgh. Also, he was mentored by Verlander the past couple of years. Absolutely, and now he's going to have to be a mentor for the Luis Severinos of the world. But this is what it comes down to for me. $324 million, that locks up the Yankees financially for quite a long time when it comes to big contracts. 2023, Aaron Judge becomes a free agent. He's going to be 31 years old. The Yankees aren't going to want to hash out another huge seven, eight, nine-year deal worth over $400 million to a guy who's 31, though he's going to commend that kind of money. This deal with Garrett Cole could potentially spell the end of the career of a guy who, after Derek Jeter, was considered the next leader of this team and the next franchise star of this team in Aaron Judge. Well, I think, you know, the Yankees are losing Hap's money off the books soon. They're losing Ellsbury's money off the books so that frees up um, them more financially, and I think I'm obviously cap. Uh, some of that cap was filled by Garrett Cole, but I mean the Yankees are the Yankees. They have enough money, and I, they have enough room to the luxury tax, and like at least like to the point where the luxury tax penalizes the draft picks. They they have room up to that point for for some bigger contracts, and, and who knows? Like um, I don't think they're going to keep Andy Hart long term, uh, so. 
I don't think they're going to have to worry about signing him. Torres is definitely someone they're going to have to worry about keeping. Oh, yes. Um, I mean, at that point, is, is Giancarlo Stanton still in the books at that point? Because He's on the books for another 10 years. <laughs> I He's mean, not going anywhere unless they trade him. Right. I think Judge and Glaber Torres are the two guys you got to keep above everyone else. If you let Gary and Giancarlo walk, I mean, you have to trade Giancarlo, but if you let Gary walk, I'm fine with that. I really am. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Aaron Judge should be their franchise piece. He's been, he's been so valuable to New York as a personality, as a figure, and, um, and as a player. So I think he's, he's someone that you have to build around in the in the field and then Cole is someone you build around as a staff so I think those are the two guys you prioritize I don't think Cashman's going to let Judge walk I think Cashman will prioritize Aaron Judge um, you know over the next few years to build around him and keep him well you better hope so Cade uh, you gotta lock a guy like that up he's, he's the next face of the Yankees and a lot of if, people's if opinions. he's not the face of the Yankees already if he's not the face of baseball pretty soon Mike Soon Trout enough, is uh, a solid number one choice. Yeah, though, it's, I have it's to definitely Mike Trout right now. Uh, but there you have it. Garrett Cole to the Yankees. Nine years, $324 million. This was episode 126 of the O Show presented by Belly Up Sports. We are what they aren't. We're also sponsored by TickPick. Use the promo code OSHO10 for $10 off your next order at TickPick.com. Should have used TickPick and Mecca Nutrition. Use the promo code OSHO20 for $20 off your next order at MeccaNutritionStore.com. Mecha Nutrition, build a better you. Day two from the winter meetings is a wrap. Hit it, Hootie. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.